0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. Jumbo Jumbo. Karibuani Karisani, Ivy Church. Good to see you. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Blessed are the pacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. That's the next one in our series about who God says gets blessed. Whatever's happening in the world from these words in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. The Oxford English Dictionary defines a peacemaker as a person who brings about peace especially by reconciling adversaries. The word that's used in Greek here doesn't mean somebody who just has a peaceable disposition themselves, it means somebody who acts for peace. The New Living Translation says somebody who works for peace. It's about somebody who helps to make peace. And before I talk about how we make peace with with other people, I need to tell you about something that's way more important because I might fall out with you and we might never talk again in this life, but if I'm estranged from God, that lasts forever and ever. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. And it took the son of God to come to not only tell me that here, but to make it possible for me, a sinner, to have peace with God and become his child, to become his son too. So. Do you have peace with God today? Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. The Bible says he is the one mediator between God and man. See, we tend to excuse ourselves, even if sometimes our conscience accuses us. But the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. I might think God just should turn a blind eye, or that He does, because the judgment for sin doesn't usually happen as soon as I commit it. But Isaiah 59, verse 2 says, Your iniquities. There's another word for sins, have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So sins there, like this barrier, it's like all this rubbish that I'm piling up higher and higher. I'm making a bigger and bigger fence, a wall. That I can't pull down or, or clear up. And that's why God seems far away at times. He's still there. He's not gone anywhere. I and mean, Yes, you can pray. And he might even hear, but it's like shouting to God on the other side of a heavy door. You see, sins like clouds that cover up the sun. And we needed Jesus to come and clear the rubbish to make the way through that we can't possibly make ourselves because all we can do is make a mess. Romans 5 says, sin makes us God's enemies and we can't befriend him on our own terms because he did nothing wrong, it was all our fault. We have to come to Jesus Christ, ask him to save us because the same chapter goes on to say, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you feel today that God is far away. I know how that can seem. The clouds block me out from his presence. My prayers go nowhere. I can't have any peace inside me and that affects everything else. And I can't live the way that I'm meant to or made to until I discover or remember that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is the blessed peacemaker. He's done everything necessary, everything I could never do to clear the rubbish I'd built up, to kick the wall down that I'd built up. So That's how somebody as sinful as me can have peace with a pure, with a holy God. But what do I do? Well, first of all, he calls me to admit my need because my sin separates me from his holiness. And then to turn away from everything that I know to be wrong and say sorry genuinely to God. Then, as I thank God for sending his son to die in my place on the the cross to bridge the gap and and then to rise again, when I just trust and receive his love personally and say yes to grace that adopts me as a son too, into the family of God, then I become his disciple. Have you done that? If not, stop now and just do business with God right where you are, talk with him about this, because until you find peace with him, You'll never have peace in this world. You'll never be the peacemaker that he wants you to be. And he'll never help you to be able to to bridge the gaps for other people like he wants you to. See, I wouldn't be doing my job if I just told you some ways to work for peace in this temporary world, but didn't invite you to find everlasting peace with God through Jesus Christ it's like the cross has an upward direction that restores us to peace with God first before the horizontal that brings peace between people so why don't you pray with me now to be sure you have that peace of sins forgiven then we can see it work out at a human level Wherever you are, put a hand to heaven with me now. Reach out to God, hold that hand up in surrender where you are, just to say, I don't wanna be at God at war with you, God, one day longer. I need that peace. So say aloud with, this, with me now as I, as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins. I invite you to come into my heart and my life. I want to be your follower, your disciple, your child. I want to learn to trust and obey. I want you to be my Lord and Saviour forever. Amen. Now that's the the greatest thing anybody ever does in this life. And we want to celebrate if you did that. It's not about just saying the words, it's about knowing it in your heart. And it's the most brilliant thing to know you have peace with God. You are a child of God because Jesus has been the peacemaker for you. And how much does the world need peacemakers today? Who do you think of usually when you hear a word like peacemaker? The most famous peacemakers often end up only being known by one name, Gandhi, Mandela, Teresa, 2 2. And the greatest of all, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. So, of course, today we do want to pray for peace on a family, local, national, and international scale. And our prayers are a lot more powerful and make a difference, way more than just worrying or watching the news. That doesn't really help. But so often I feel that all of that is outside of my circle of control, even though it's in my circle of concern. And this is where I get to be a peacemaker with the relationships around me. What is in my circle of control, what I do get to influence is the war, first of all, within. The level of peace I have inside myself because that's what I'm going to spread. I'm going to, whether it's going to be hate or hurt or harmony in all my interactions on a daily basis, what's inside comes out. See, Jesus didn't come to conquer kingdoms or nations. He came to conquer and bring peace to hearts and minds. That's what's needed most because all the wars that have ever been waged in history started in a human heart. We have wars because our souls are at war. Since Cain killed his brother Abel, the human story is marred by jealousy, greed, violence, and bloodshed. So, we have to first of all win the battle within and let the fruit of the Holy Spirit grow inside of me: love, joy, peace. And then I make the decision to work for peace, to receive the blessing of a peacemaker. What does it look like for me and you to be a peacemaker? This beatitude on a human level is all about maintaining and repairing relationships. And even as I say that, I know I'm reminded of my own sinful brokenness and how much I need the Lord to save me because I can think of so many ways I've messed this up over the years. Maybe you will too, but the way we learn best and the way God helps us change as we look back on our lives is that we do so for the purpose of evaluation, not regret. That's how we start to grow in peace and grace and love. And It's also how we can learn how to repair the damage others have done to us or that we've done to other people. What comes to mind if I tell you that being a peacemaker and getting that peace inside often starts with forgiving others for the wrongs that they have done against us? Do you think, well, why should I do that after what they did? Or How do you even do it? How do I become a peacemaker? All those are great questions. Remember, I said we were all once God's enemies, but the good news is Jesus told us that we should love our enemies. That's how we become like him. See, how else could God love us if he didn't love his enemies and make them his friends? A little later on in this same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his disciples, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Hands up if you love your family. Hands up if you love your friends. You know, Jesus says, so what? That's easy. To just love the people who love me and give to those that I get back from is just human. It's normal. But if you want to be godlike, if you want to be like your heavenly dad, love your enemies. You have to be full of peace for that peacefulness to flow over to them. Now, naturally, I'll be honest, I recoil from that because the way I was raised was fight for your rights, especially if they're wrong. And then I went into the police with a good guys, bad guys attitude. Now, don't really tend to think of myself as the bad guy. Our tendency instead is to nurse a grudge, self-protect, hate our enemies, or at least avoid them at all costs. And that can lead to a kind of fake or false peacemaking. Instead, you could call it peacekeeping, where we just avoid the person or, or avoid the problem. But peace is not the absence of conflict or walking away and blanking somebody, it's working it out. I don't think any of us like confrontation, really, do we? If, if you find anybody who really loves confrontation, back away a little bit, but it's necessary for real relationships because so often you only get true peace on the other side of doing confrontation well. Just look at Jesus in the gospels. And yes, we call him the Prince of Peace, but you can't tell me he was non-confrontational. Real peace is not the absence of conflict. And if you always avoid conflict and just pretend it doesn't exist, you won't end up with peace. You just end up with this make-believe, fake, false smiles, but smoldering resentment or injustice being tolerated and people being left unprotected. Unless we learn to be a peacemaker, not just a peacekeeper at all costs, you'll be miserable in many relationships and areas and times of your life because you lack the peace you feel inside, which in the end is caused by your own cowardice and capitulation rather than Good confrontation with the aim of reconciling relationships. I think church people can often be some of the very worst at this because we'd rather really be nice than real. We'd rather keep the peace than speak the truth. Jesus says God calls his children to a higher standard than being peacekeepers. He wants us to be peacemakers. Huge difference. Peacekeepers skate around the issues, put on a mask, fake smile, pretend it doesn't exist. But peacemakers build bridges and that's hard and it's costly. James 3:18 promises those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. See if I'm holding on to an offense, nursing some resentment because of what you did or what I thought you did or what I heard or thought you said That disturbs the peace, disturbing the peace. I don't mean it's against the law necessarily, but unless I arrest it quickly, I'm gonna find myself captive to it. Scripture says I'm giving the devil a foothold in my life. And that's all he needs to chip away at my peace with you and then with God and then in myself. You know, the Bible talks a lot about reaping and sowing. You reap what you sow, you grow what you sow, but it's not immediate, it's always later, and greater. is true in finances. It's true in work. It's true with words. You reap what you sow later and greater. When you plant a seed, any seed, you always get back something more than what you started with. So if you plant a seed of gossip, rebellion, anger, lies, grumbling, slander, hateful words or attitude, the fruit you'll wind up with is, is way more trouble than you bargained for. And we all know that's true. We've seen it. But the Bible says here, if you plant seeds of peace, you will reap a harvest of peace, kindness and goodness in return. So how do we do this? How can we become peacemakers? Because it usually just doesn't solve itself. So I'm gonna take you on some steps that peacemakers have to take. First one, first step, make the first move. Take the initiative. Don't wait for the person to come to you. Make the call, send the invite, arrange the chat, buy the coffee. This is how we start to look more and more like the sons and daughters of God, because we love because he first loved us. Didn't Jesus, the son of God, take the initiative to show mercy to us? Thank God he did. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. In other words, Jesus didn't wait for us to say sorry before he went to the cross for us, Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. He made the running. He made the first move and he wants us to do the same. So first, peacemakers make the first move. And then number two, what do you do next? Step two, ask God for wisdom. You may not know what to even say or what to do, but the book of James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. We need wisdom for this. Who do you need to make peace with that you've just been keeping the peace with? And you know, oh, I can't figure out how to even do that. Ask God, he wants to help to sort it out, to build the bridge and and I, I can pray about that because otherwise I'm just praying like a hypocrite to be praying for peace in Russia when I won't do what I can do to make peace here at home. This is how the world starts to change with me, ask him to give you the right words to say and the right way to say them. And rather than to to burn a bridge, build one. And often I found the first words that he usually wants me to start with are very uncomfortable. When he says step number three, start with what you got wrong. Don't start listing accusations and all the ways you've been hurt and everything they've done. That's just a great way for the wall to be built higher straight away. When I go to God for wisdom, I found he usually wants to humble me first. So you can start with whatever part is your fault. Now you might say, yeah, but the problem is, it's 99.9% the other person's fault. Okay, but what did I do? What can I confess and apologize for rather than accuse them and excuse myself? Start with your own mistakes, even if it was just waiting this long to try and sort it out. And then as St. Francis of Assisi famously said, number four, Seek first to understand rather than to be understood. Put yourself in their place. I have to say this is often the hardest part for me, but the next step on the peacemaker path is just listen. Press mute on yourself. I've started doing that on Zoom calls. It's amazing how much the other person talks I found when I shut up. I might not agree with everything that they say, but listening diffuses the tension. And I always learn something from listening to the other person's pain, perspective, point of view i don't necessarily have to be right you don't always have to be wrong because nobody's perfect but we can both become more like jesus when we focus on somebody else and their hers rather than just my own next step is from ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 it famously says speak the truth in love what does that mean It means that after I've looked at my own part and listened to understanding, clarifying, hear yours, then I can speak the truth that I see tactfully. Not blaming and shaming. The truth is not enough because even if from where I sit, it's 100% true, it's not just what you say, but how you say it. If I speak offensively, it will get received defensively. So we have to watch our words very carefully. Avoid using WMDs words of mass destruction. Again, all too often I've used unwise words that raise the conflict rather than resolve it. And they usually start in sentences that start, you. You this, you that, yeah, but you did this, and you always, or you never, you swear word. Colossians 3 verse eight says, now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips angry, hurtful, blaming, shaming words just stir up more trouble. That's why, although I know I've said it hundreds of times in my talks, I need to remind myself more than you of the question Alan Redpath asked about the words we use and to think about them before we speak. T-H-I-N-K. Is it true? Is it helpful? Inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? I must use my words to attack the problem Not the person because peacemakers are not here trying to fix the blame but to fix the problem and that leads to the final step number five focus on reconciliation not resolution reconciliation means re-establishing the relationship in a healthier way it means you're not holding on to hurt it means you've buried the hatchet now I know that may not always be possible. You might come away feeling like they just picked up the hatchet and hit you with it again. And if you're being abused and they're continuing to be toxic, I'm not saying it's peace at all costs because again, that's a false peace. Let me say this again, being a Christian does not mean you're a doormat for domination, manipulation, control, or any kind of abuse, mental, physical, emotional, or spiritual in any relationship setting. Romans 12 verse 18 is very clear on this. Look. It says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible means it won't always be. Some people are best avoided. If you've tried to be reconciled, but you've hit a brick wall, Christian psychologist and relational therapist, Dr. Henry Cloud says the book of Proverbs lists three types of people. I always remember this is it's the wise, the foolish and the evil. How do we tell the difference? Well, Henry Cloud says wise people, out of the Bible, wise people add to their wisdom. Now that isn't about intelligence, you can be very smart, but relationally terrible. Wise people come away having learned something and that shows in the way they act, but fools repeat their folly. So you find you're wasting your breath. Before long, you find yourself saying, why are we having this same discussion over and over again? Seems foolish. We don't like to say this again because we'd rather be just nice as Christians very often, but eventually you find out in life some people turn out to be evil. And you can protect yourself from the harm that they want to do you or are doing you. You can only do what you can do. That's what that verse is saying. You can't do their part as far as it depends on you live at peace. So don't aim at resolution because you won't usually resolve every disagreement in life. Sometimes the only way to get peace is to get distance and to walk away. We may walk away seeing the whole thing very differently. Even though I try to see it from your point of view, maybe you try to see it my way too. We're both imperfect and we're all different, different backgrounds, different ways of relating and deciding and proceeding. So let's at least agree that we won't agree on everything. But peacemakers can disagree without being disagreeable and that's called spiritual maturity. See, our civilization is no longer civil. And in a world that's filled with wars and words of hurt and hate, prejudice and pride, tribalism and terrorism, stress and strife, broken relationships, broken lives, broken hearts. Can our prayer today be from some of other words of Saint Francis of Assisi, in that the words that I learned to sing at school but so often I forget when I think I'm a grown-up? Make me a channel of your peace. Delaney, I'd love to welcome you to Ivy Church. Do check out the website, click on a few buttons, look at some previous teaching and some of the other things that we've been involved with. And why not plan to join us soon at one of our locations? Join a grow group, do the alpha course and figure out for yourself what it is that Christians believe. Or if you've got anything we can pray about, be in touch, press the contact button so that you can email us, let us know about you and how we hope you can be part of us. Come and join us at Ivy Church.